0: Good morning, Uh, my name is Daniel, I'm one of the elders here, um, and this week our our kiddos are with us, so we have a a kid sermon to start things out, Um, and so where are my kids at? Raise your hands up, great, okay, so kids, I want you to think about something, all right? I want you to think about, do you have a favorite, like candy or treat or just something that's just really, really yummy? right? So picture it in your brain. Actually, not just the children. Everyone think of a treat, but kids, if you want to raise your hand, I would love to just hear what your favorite treat is. Yes, ma'am. Donuts, pizza, crunch bars. Anybody else? Sour Patch Kids, kids. on. Ice cream, pizza, Rice Krispies lollipops great cake, cake Philip everything. everything all right excellent choices okay so everybody's got something in your in your mind so imagine you have one of those things right you haven't, you haven't tasted it yet but like you've got it you've got this thing okay so this treat man you are gonna, you are gonna eat that thing And you're walking and you're just, you're getting ready to enjoy it. And then you see somebody walks up, uh, let's just say a stranger, somebody you don't know anything about. And and they say like, hey, that's, I love that. That's my favorite. Could I have that? You never met this person, right? Are you going to just give that thing to them? What do you think? No. What if, what if let's. Take it up a notch. What if it's not a stranger, maybe it's somebody who lives down the street, and one time you saw that person, like, kick your dog. Are you going to give that, that good thing that you have to that person? Why not? Wouldn't it be nice, it, wouldn't it be nice if you gave it to them? But are you probably going to do that? Probably not. Okay. Um, <clears throat> they, and, and, like, they haven't done anything to earn that thing, right? Have they done, have they done something great for you that they could earn that delicious treat from you? No, of course not. Um, and so, but like you could choose to give it to them anyway, even though they don't deserve it, right? Like you could do that or not. And so there's a word for that. Does anybody know what it's called when you, when you get something good, even though you don't deserve that thing? Any, anybody know what that is called? There's a word for it. Amen. Starts with a G. You may have a cousin named this. Grace. Very good. Grace. So grace is when you get something that you don't deserve. Right? And sometimes grace, like... Uh, Sometimes it costs something, like if you gave that good thing that you have to somebody else, then like you don't get it, maybe, right? It costs something. Um, well, today we're going to talk about a word called graciousness, okay? And when we add ness to something, that kind of means like we, uh, like we uh, are known for that thing, right? We are known for giving grace. We are, we, we are known for doing that thing. And so that's what we're going to talk about, is what it means to, to be people who give even though someone hasn't earned that. I have, a, I have a follow-up question. So suppose this delicious treat, we got it in our minds again, delicious, yummy treat, or our mouths in a little bit. So suppose that you, you have one of these right here, and this stranger walks up and says, like, hey, that's my favorite. Like, I love that thing. It is my favorite. Could I have it? But back home, you know, you have just truckloads of that stuff, right? So if it's pizza, you have boxes and boxes and boxes of, of hot, delicious pizza. Or if it's donuts, you have all of Yummy's Donuts just sitting in your, in your pantry at home for you whenever you want, all the time. Are you a little more likely to give that, that, that thing to someone else? Why? It's only one of those things, and you have so much of it, right, coming to you. And so what we're going to talk about today is, is graciousness. And when we try and give out of a limited supply, that's really hard for us. But when we think about the good things that God has given to us, and we let that and we let that kind of drive how we feel towards other people, it's a lot easier to be free and give good things to other people when, when it comes from, from the good things that God has given to us. Does that make sense? All right. So let's pray, and then we'll... <clears throat> And then we'll read some passages together. God, you are good. Um, you are so good to us. And um, we ask this morning that you, would, that you would give us more grace, that you would give uh, me grace to speak your truth um, in a way that, that causes people to love you more and by your spirit that people would be changed uh, more and more to the, to the likeness of Christ. Um, we ask for grace for those hearing that they would be changed Um, and that you would be among us this morning, and uh, that you would be honored and glorified by all that is done here this morning. Um, It's in your name. Amen. So uh, over the past few weeks, I've been preparing this, and I I started out, I had like just kind of your normal, like vanilla standard outline, like kind of like, what is grace? How do we, uh, what is grace? Like, how do we, uh, why is it important? And then, and then how do we do it? Like this application at the end. But as I was preparing it, and as I was thinking about grace and feeling just really convicted about how ungracious I am at times, uh, that order became very uh, heavy to me and burdensome. Like, as I think about the importance as a community of faith to be gracious to the world around us, which we'll talk about a little bit later— and so I, I want to, we're going to flip things around a little bit, and we're going to start with the how do we possibly do this thing before we talk about the why it's important, because that was just so so much more freeing to me. Um, and where we're at, just to kind of bring it together, uh, we're in our second week of our, our, ser- our sermon series on gospel culture. And this is, again, we're not looking at a, a list of things to do, uh, like a checklist, but if we are believing right and true things about God um, these are natural byproducts that we should see in our community, uh, elements of our culture as a body of believers that should be that should be visible to the world around us. And so, uh, graciousness is where we are today. And so, uh, <clears throat> where I where I have seen ungraciousness in my own heart this week, you know, um, my kids aren't getting ready for something as fast as I would like them to. We're trying to get left. And I, I, you know, give a look or I, I, say, a, I say a thing or uh, maybe someone who's like a preteen-ish age person in my house gives me an eye roll and I don't respond as graciously as I, I could. Or, um, or, you know, just like frustrations with, with people that I see, like thinking about like, why is this person doing it that way? Ugh, I would do it so much better. Um, and so like that, that happens. And it's not like I'm thinking okay, this thing happened, should I be gracious or should I be ungracious? Right? It's just like someone wrongs me and I just, I respond, right? I respond with something. And uh, sometimes it's gracious and and oftentimes it's not. And uh, Romans 7 kind of came to mind, like, I want to be gracious. I know that's important. Um, You know, Paul says in Romans 7, for I, I do not understand my own actions, for I do, I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Um, and uh, I, ha- I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Like that, that happens sometimes. Like We want to be gracious and we can think like, I need to be gracious. But then, you know, something happens because people frustrate us and then we respond and it doesn't always happen the way we want it to, right? And that, that's just like, that's, that's how we are. Uh, and I think part of that is because God, you know, wires us with a certain sense of like fairness. Like we, we know what proper and right treatment of someone is. And we, we, we know, like if, like if I'm being treated fairly or not, and I, uh, the problem is I just don't like apply that to everyone. Like I'm pretty selective with like, like I'm being treated unfairly, so I'm going to judge you harshly but maybe I treat someone unfairly and it's fine because I was frustrated or whatever else. Uh, and, you know, we have only so much time and we have only so much mental energy and patience and whatever else. We are limited, we are limited in, in our money and our time, all those things, right? And we have goals, like we want to excel in, in the workplace or with our families or whatever. And like uh, maybe helping this person out doesn't advance what I'm, what I'm looking for. And that's not right, but those things like affect us, right? Because of the world we live in. And so it's hard uh, to think about being gracious and like, how, how do we do that? How do we control these like responses or, or maybe better than response, reactions? You know, like something happens, <clears throat> doesn't go my way, uh, and I just... I have a sarcastic comment that I'm going to say and tear someone down. Or I, uh, like, say something to somebody else about something bad I saw rather than keeping that to myself or helping that person, right? It happens. Um, and so how do we battle, as Christians, a reaction versus a response? And, like, I, for, for a little bit, I was, I was burdened by that. You know, like, going, like I said, going through, this is, this is what grace looks like, which we'll talk about, and, and this is why it's important. And it's really important. Like, that was the part where I got to, like, this is a, a very vital part of what it means to be a believer, is to show grace to the world around us. So how do I do that, right? And I think it, it all really does come, come down to this, this idea of, of fair, like, I feel like I'm being slighted, so I want to make it—I want to I get mine, or I want to make sure that person is, is taken down with me, or, or not elevated above me, or whatever. And we have this, this skewed, corrupted view of, of that. And so I think how we combat that as believers, how we—when when we fail at being gracious— how we correct that is by looking rightly at at what is true and what is good and what the balance looks like in view of eternity and not in view of of the the moment we're in okay and so i'm going to read a couple of passages and these are these are, are big deep weighty passages that we could spend months and months going through together and we're just going to like be in a boat looking down into the depths of this passage and just kind of scale right on by, but there's some, some importance there. So, so this is, this is what is true. This is how we do this. This is how we train our hearts and our reactions to be gracious and not harsh or judgmental or ungracious. So here we go. Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse one, and you who are dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so when we look at the scales, right? So think about merit here because grace is, is unmerited favor. We're getting good things that we don't deserve. So this passage starts out, we're all dead, right? So how much merit do dead things have? How much favor are dead things earning? Not, not a lot of favor. Okay, so then, okay, so then we're, we're keeping track. So we have done how much so far? None. Okay, great. And then let's look at what good things have been done to us. Okay, so we'll start, those kind of start in verse four. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, so he, he's loved dead things to start with. He hasn't done anything else, but he's loving dead things, that's us, um, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So he made us alive. He saved us. He raised us up. He seated us in the heavenly places with Christ. Why? So that's all pretty great so far. Can we agree with that? Like we have been made alive. We have been saved. We have been seated next to Christ in the heavenly places. That's that just seems, that seems overwhelmingly good already. Why did he do that? So that... In the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And how much of this have have we earned so far? Just if we're keeping track. None. None at all. Right? We have earned none of this at all. At all. So let's keep going. Um, By grace, we have been saved through faith. Not of our own doing. It's the gift of God. Uh, Not a result of works that no one may boast. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So even the good things we walk in, God has prepared for us to walk in. He made us, gifted us, prepared the works so that we could walk in them. So those are all like, we, could, we literally could just sit on that passage, probably for months and months and months and months and months, and, months and not plumb the depths of that of how good and great that is. And so that, like, that's, that's our motivation. That's like our driving force to go out and like, can we be gracious people if we keep that balance in mind? Like, okay, I, I, this didn't go the way I wanted to. Am I, am I worried about this scale tipping out of balance with the amount of grace and mercy and love and kindness that God has given to me when compared to this one thing I'm experiencing right now? No, like that's not going to happen. That scale is not going to tip over. Okay. But, <clears throat> so I, th- I think that's like a motivator, Like That's all like super positive, great, wonderful, awesome things. Um, but also, sometimes things go wrong in the moment, right? And like it, it goes bad. We are treated poorly um, and we have to persevere through that. In First in Peter 2, it talks about um, like, it's not even a lot of credit to you if... if uh, if you respond uh, unjustly when just when unjust things happen to you, but like it is credit to you when bad things happen and you respond graciously. And so like we can expect that things are not going to always go well, but we're still expected to respond in grace. Um, and so like, I think that can make us seem like almost like uh, like could cause doubt, right? Like, or uncertainty, like, like God has promised these good, these good things. He, he says forever, I'm going to show you, how, how good and gracious I am to you. Like, like I'm going to sit you down next to Christ and then forever I'm going to spend eternity showing you how much more grace I've shown to you than you even know. But, not, but in the now, we can doubt. You know, like we can... We can uh, and so I have another passage that is just, again, we could sit here forever and ever and plummet steps and not get to the bottom. But in Romans 8, we, we see like, what, what about when bad things happen... who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. So here we go. When things go bad, right? When we doubt, when we, when we don't feel like we're doing it or measuring up or our responses are bad or every, the wheels are falling off the wagon and we don't know what to do. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No is the answer. Like no, none of that is going to separate us from the love of Christ. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord, amen. He has promised us all things. And then he says like, you are loved so much. You are loved more than you can ever know. And I'm gonna spend eternity showing you how much that is. And not only that, like, I'm going to hold you. You're You're never going away from me. You're with me forever. I've got you. There's nothing in this world that could ever pull you away from me. I am for you. The grace of God is both overwhelming love and overwhelming security. These scales have been tipped forever in our favor. And God stands there and says, there is more where that came from. There's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more, there's more. And so, so that, that's, how, that's how, that's how we, uh, that's how we change our, our reactions, right? It's not that we are, uh, particularly gifted in the flesh in just being gracious and kind. It is that we are, we are recipients of an overwhelming amount of grace. That's what qualifies us to be gracious. Um, and so, so how, how do we do that when, we, when we're not feeling it or when our responses don't line up? is it's not, a, um, I'm going to muster some more graciousness to, to dole out to people, right? We're just, we're just forgetting. We're forgetting who we are and what has been done on our behalf. Right? And so like we're living, we're living in the now, we're looking at our toes instead of the world around us that that's been shown to us. Right? And so when we're ungracious, like I know in my own heart, that's, that's what's going on. Like, I'm upset because of right now. I'm upset because of this, this exact moment in space and time. That is why I'm upset. And if I, if I open my eyes and I, and I think about what has been done to me and what has been done for me through the person and work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit's work in my life, like, I, I can let that go. Right? I can let, I can let that go. <clears throat> Um, and so, so we're going to, we're going to look through a couple different things. Like, what does it mean to be gracious and what is its effect and why, why it's important. But like all of, all of like, all of that flows out of this. Like we can't do grace to other people. Well, if we don't have a source, if we don't have a well to draw from. Okay. And that's why I wanted that to be first. Like we are, we are empowered to be gracious because of what has been done on our behalf. So what does it mean to be gracious? I, I pulled a couple different uh, passages here and just want to look at a couple different things. Like, um, so what does it mean? Or like, what is the effect of grace kind of in the world around us? So Colossians five and six or Colossians, sorry, chapter four, verse five and six says this, um, says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And this particularly says speech, but I think we could also like apply this to just general conduct, right? So like speech, but we could say uh, conduct. So um, let your speech always be gracious. And again, that is just so hard, like that word always, like that is. I think like, like sometimes I can be gracious and like on good days, I can most, maybe mostly be gracious for a short amount of time, but always that's, that is tough. Um, so two, two things I want to talk about. This is like the, the culture of, of believers, like when we rightly believe the gospel and it is, it is having its proper impact in our hearts. Like that should, that should be the case. Like we should just always be gracious, um, and so we need to always be drawing from that well, right? We dry up, we dry up real, real quick if we are not looking to where our, where our hope comes from, right? I know I do, at least. I dry up real, real fast, and I get real grumpy and real ungracious. Uh, the second part, um, it says, season with salt. This is, this is off the cuff. This might, this might go off the rails. Who knows? But uh, Katie and I went to a restaurant yesterday, and uh, it was a buffet, supposedly known for catfish, and their fish just had zero salt on it, right? I, I, I mean, it was bad. It was just totally flavorless. Um, and, and it needed salt, right? Because salt makes things better just does. Makes it taste better. It's more enjoyable. And, uh, yeah, it, it needed salt. And so, so I think like, like the catfish, our world needs salt, right? And we are, we are that salt. Um, but seriously, that's true. Um, (laughs) grace makes the world better, right? Right. When we, when we show grace to other people, when we respond in grace and kindness towards others, instead of ungraciousness or, or like just nothing, like, like grace is better. It makes the world better. Um, so we should always do it. it. It makes the world better. And then uh, the last part of that verse says, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. The walk in wisdom so that you ought to know uh, how you ought to answer each person. Uh, grace needs to be tailored to specific circumstances, right? I could do something for one person and that could be a grace to them. And if I do that exact same thing to another person, that could be bad or offensive or just they maybe don't care about that thing, right? And so like grace has to do with what a person needs and what is good for them in particular, now there are general things like you can be gracious and like, probably there are things that all people could be blessed by. Right. Um, but this specifically says like, so that you should know how you ought to answer each person. Like we, grace should be, be tailored to that. We see a lot of these same exact things in another place in Ephesians 4. Uh, Paul talks about gracious speech as well. He says, uh, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Again, how much talk, how much corrupting talk? None. So always be gracious, never corrupting talk. That's tough. Uh, <clears throat> but only such is good for building up. So, you know, salt enriches things, makes it better. This says we're, we're, uh, our speech should only be good, should only build people up. Uh, and how should we do that? As fits the occasion. So again, we are tailor, that grace is tailor-made for a specific conversation, a specific person, a specific thing. Um, and so we need, to, we need to think about that. Uh, kind of a, a, just a good uh, barometer of if grace has been shown, is like, is a person walking away from their experience with you feeling better? Like, have you made, have you made their life better in that conversation or whatever? And that could just be listening. Maybe your grace is like listening when you're busy and you want to go. Or maybe it's giving a, a certain, uh, a word to them. Maybe even like a, a firm, like, hey, you need to get out of this thing. This is bad for you. Like, maybe that's a grace. Like, it, it depends. What is the certain situation? Um, and so that, that's kind of what grace looks like. That's, that's real short. But as believers, like we, we should be doing that. We should be looking for how we can be a blessing to Whoever is around us. All right. Last, last of my main things. How or why why is it important? Why is it important? And, and important caveat here. Grace is not just being nice. But I think like that's certainly part of it. Being nice is helpful in showing grace. But like what is the ultimate good for people in our, in our world? Like Jesus, the gospel is the ultimate good. So, like, if we want to show the best grace to people, what are we going to give them? We're going to give them Jesus, okay? And so, uh, so why is it important? All right. Last passage of the day, Second Corinthians, chapter five. Uh, this is this is our why. Why is it important? For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore all have died and he died for all that those who might, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for died and was raised from now on. Therefore, We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We're going to go a little bit farther in a second, but um, verse 16 really stuck out to me as I was reading and studying this. Um, From now on, like because Christ has died for us, and that we no longer live, live to ourselves, but live for him from now on. Therefore, because of that, from this point on, we, we regard no one according to the flesh. So, like, what does that mean? Like, we don't even think about merit, right? We don't think about, is this person worth my time? Is this person, what has this person done for me or against me? What has this person done previously with their resources? Or uh, what have they? We regard, we regard no one according to the flesh. So how do we regard people? We regard them because they're made in the image of, of Christ, right? And so we don't think about any of that stuff. Or, or have they done good things? Have they done bad things? Are they going to waste this? Are they not going to waste this? Um, any of that. We regard no one according to the flesh. And so that, that's where grace is coming in here. We're not considering merit at all when we interact with people. Like that's what this says. We regard no one according to the flesh. <clears throat> Verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This kind of language is all over the New Testament, like new creation, new uh, new kingdom, new, old, like it is, we are different after we come to Christ than before. And so like, as if we look at an, a new creation versus an old creation, like we would have new DNA, right? We have gospel infused DNA in us as a new creation. So like we don't, as believers, like we don't, look at people based on their merit or their anything they could earn or do for us. We just look at uh, showing grace. Uh, Continuing on verse 18, all this from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is God has elected us as the primary means in which he shows grace to the world. That's a big deal. He picked us. Guys, we're bad at this sometimes. He picked us to show his grace to the world. Okay, and, and that's where, like, as I was doing this, this was, like, in the middle of my sermon, and, like, this was a burden to me. This is a weight. Because I don't always do a good job at this. It's a massive responsibility. And so this is where we need to, again, we need to, we need to lean in here. We need to focus on how we do this. Because as a, as a, this is a stereotype, but I feel like it's true, as a man, I sometimes just go at like a symptom, like I'm going to fix this problem and not think about the like the what actually will fix this problem, right? Our ungraciousness is a symptom of of us not believing what is true about us. Right? And so like if I if I try and just muster up grace to show to people, I could I could do that for a little bit. Right? We can we can all put on a happy face and like try and like, okay, okay, they're gonna, the kids are gonna do this thing and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna smile and everything's gonna be fine. Or like, this person's gonna do this again, but it's gonna be fine. I'm gonna, I can respond well. And we can do that for a little bit until we run out of patience and then we snap and maybe it's worse than, than, than we started. And... <clears throat> And so that just doesn't work. And so we need to remember, how did we get appointed to be these ambassadors for Christ? Like, what are our, what are our credentials here? Did God say like, okay, all right, this, this, these people right here in Hannibal Moe, right? They just, they've got these like characteristics, like they're going to be really, in particular, they're going to be really great at showing grace. So I'm going to choose to save them because of that. That's what we read earlier, right? That's what, that was the thing? No, 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 no. So how we, got, how we got this job as ambassadors for Christ is because we needed a whole lot of grace. I need a lot of grace. You need a lot of grace. That's, that's your credential for being his ambassador is because you are needy and you need grace. I am needy and I need grace. And... You have experienced that grace. Remember Ephesians. He has taken you from death into life. He has saved you. He has raised you up. He has seated you next to Christ. So that forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, he can show you how much more he loves you than you even know. And he's never going to let you go. That, that is what qualifies us to do this thing. Okay, so <clears throat> we can't be gracious apart from Christ. Um, and when we try, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, right? Um, because, like, we just, we just can't. Um, And so as we, as we think about, like, culture, right, gospel culture, and, and being people who are known for grace, right? Graciousness, marking us as people. Like, it's important because, like, like, our community needs that. Like, there are people, your neighbors, people in your schools, people around you who are hurting, who are broken, And they need someone to intervene for them. Okay? It's important because God has given us this task of being the primary means in which he shows grace to those people. But we're able to because he has more grace to give than we could ever possibly hold on to. Right? Right? So, so our application to this is not, hey, try really, really hard at being gracious. Our application is to look to God and just, just be in awe. And so like we have to start before, before we need to show grace. We need to receive it, right? So we wake up and we think and we pray and we ask God to show us more of himself so that as we leave our house, we can show that grace to other people. Or even like, as the rest of our family comes around us, we, we have grace to give to other people because we are a well that runs dry real fast on our own. Okay? Um, so let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll take the Lord's Supper. Father, you are good. You are good. And... We know some of, we know some of that, and we know some of how you have been good and gracious to us, but we thank you that forever and ever and ever you are going to blow our minds with how much more grace you have for us than we even know. I pray that we would be people who would think on that, who would be who would be changed by by grace, and that we would <clears throat> that we would overflow with grace from you towards others in our community, Father, and that, uh, that we would be marked as people who are gracious um, in our town. We love you. We thank you for Jesus.